So as you've probably cottoned on by now, because we're in about the third week of it, uh, we're talking about sin and holiness and God this time. And we are... I'm sorry. Is my hair on top of my head today? Am I going to hit that? But we're okay. Um, Oh, I need to pray in a minute. Right, yes, we're talking about sin, holiness and God. Um, And we are doing that by working through the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark in the Bible, one of four accounts of Jesus' life. Um, and kind of, we're going to look at a different story from that each week and kind of look at it in terms of our theme. So to help you guys with that, we have created a reading plan. Uh, so the idea is... Thank you. Thank you. It's exciting. It's exciting. Um, the idea is that you can read the entire book of Mark by the time we're done with the term. Um, and the chapters that you read in the week... Like we're going to pick out a story from those chapters to talk about on the Friday. So if anybody needs one of these still, wave at me. Charlie needs one because she's disorganised. There you go. Cool. I need to pray. Stand up and get them if you want them. <laughs> Ethan does. Ethan wants the Sitting comfortably. Yeah. Then I'll keep this. No. <laughs> right. So they, Jesus and his disciples, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, who I'm sure were lovely people. And that's not in the Bible, that's me. And when Jesus <laughs> Yes, we got it. It's just important to clarify these things. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you by God, don't torment me. So Jesus was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. 
and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who'd had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So, at the risk of it being a super heavy evening, um, we are talking about this guy who has an unclean spirit, or unclean spirits. Um, and the first thing to say is that there is a spiritual reality. Um, I think in our culture, it kind of gets erased. There is this idea that ev- all, all that there is is what we can see and what we can touch. Like that's the only reality that there is. Um, which is not true in all cultures. Like some parts of the world, they read this story, they're like, yeah, another Tuesday, another demon. But for us, it's like, it's, it's, more of a, it's more of a shock. It's more of a surprise. We think things like, oh, so this is how they explained the world back then before they understood all the things we do now about medical science, say. You know, they, they use words like demon, but we have proper medical terms now because we understand it more. Um, but the truth is that there is a spiritual reality. There are spiritual beings. God himself is spirit. Um, so that's the first thing to say and an issue that we can have with that is being afraid of this stuff because when, like, as human beings when we don't understand something we tend to fear it, it's just it's a human reaction um, so from the outset I just want to say to you that as we're talking about this you don't need to be afraid and I will unpack the reasons why as we go through um, but just from the outset this is not stuff that you need to fear you just need to know what's going on Hence, we're talking about it. So, there are unclean spirits. Um, I'll probably end up using the word demons because that's the word that's in my brain. Um, So what are they? Demons are most likely fallen angels. Uh, So we talk about humanity falling. That's when people rebelled against God, they sinned. Um, That happened with some angels as well. They rebelled against God, they sinned. Now they're fallen. And we call them demons. Uh, So their leader, uh, we call him Satan or the devil. He is also a fallen angel. And that means that he is a created being. So that means that he, uh, he can't be everywhere all at once. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. He basically, he's not like God. He's not equal to God in any way. So again, we can have this idea that uh, good and evil are like two equal opposing forces. And it's like God and the devil battling it out. And no one's really sure who's going to win. But that, that's just not how the world works. The way that the world works is there is this glorious and incomparable and holy God who created everything. And he's created this whole world. And it is a world filled with creatures who sometimes rebel. And they can be angelic, demonic, or they can be human. Um, But the distinction is not good and evil. The distinction is creator and created. And the devil is a created being, just like everything else. So he doesn't have these kind of powers that God would have, say. And there is no question about who rules or who wins. Um, oh, yeah, so often when we talk about this, we'll talk about Satan in the singular. Um, I will probably do that as I talk. The Bible will often do that as well. Um, but don't take that to mean that Satan has any more power than he does. So we talk about, like, the Queen or the Prime Minister or Elon Musk doing things. <laughs> um, but we don't mean, we don't mean that they've, they've done it themselves. We're talking about, like, they have this, like, hierarchy and this network that they operate through. Um, and that's kind of what we mean when we say Satan does this or Satan does that. Like, it's not that he himself is everywhere at once doing all of these things. It's that there's this like hierarchy, this network, say, 
of like demons that he will operate through. So as I'm saying, Satan in the singular, don't hear that he is everywhere and he himself is doing all of these things. Because that would be displaying some of the characteristics that we have just established he does not have. So, what do demons do? Um, well, they're rebels against God. So that means that they hate God. They work to destroy anything that he does and anything that looks like him. Um, and as we learned about last term, we are made in the image of God. Uh, whether you're a Christian or not, that's, that's what, what it means to be human, is to be made in the image of God. We look like God. So the devil, demons, hate us most of all. Uh, so they're out to wreck us, basically, in any way that they can. They'll do anything that they can to keep us from God, to keep us from the joy-filled, powerful life that he wants for us. Um, he is our enemy. The name Satan actually means the accuser. He will accuse you. Uh, Jesus calls him the father of lies. He says that he comes to steal and to kill <coughs> and to destroy. He'll basically do anything he can to keep you from believing in God and from understanding your identity and your authority. Um, one thing that demons cannot do is possess you. So let's just dispel this myth. So as a Christian, you cannot be, you cannot be possessed by a demon. You can be oppressed by a demon. So oppression is like what a bully would do. It's that kind of like they, they keep you down, you know, they're like they abuse you, they mistreat you. Um, but as a Christian, you cannot be possessed by a demon. You can't like be taken over, they can't take control, they can't have any kind of ownership over you. The Bible says that we're God's own possession. So if we're owned by God, if we're possessed by God in that sense, you can't you can't be owned by anything else. You can't be possessed by anything else. So all of the horror movies that you shouldn't have watched with like the demon possessed people climbing up the walls and like drinking the blood of the families they've just slaughtered, that's just <laughs> That's not reality, and that's not something that you need to worry about. Like when you're when you're in Jesus, you don't need to worry about these kind of things. You don't need to fear. So, coming back to the story, um, we can see in this story that demons are not after our good, right? If you look at what they're doing to this guy, he's he's in so much pain. He's not living his best life. Like he's, he's running around on mountains and in tombs, naked all the time. He's like. People are trying to tie him up, and he's just breaking the chains and running out. Um, yeah, where are we? Verse 5. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. So, side note here. Because um, this brings up self-harm again. So, please do not hear that if you self-harm, you are being oppressed by a demon. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But... What I am saying is that this guy is in pain. Demons are out to hurt us, out to wreck us. He is being tormented. Um, and he happens to be expressing his pain in this way. Um, that's what I'm saying. Not um, so yeah, he's, he's, he's not doing well. He is not being treated well. Um, I've said that, said that. So demons aren't out for our well-being. Uh, even if sometimes they manage to convince us of, that they are. So the Bible says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light and his servants as servants of righteousness. So sometimes they might come as a friend, they might even start off by like helping you out, but the more that you listen to their voices, the more like the further you get pulled from God and from the life that he wants for you, the life to the full that Jesus wants you to have. Remember the devil is out to steal and to kill and to destroy, so he'll deceive you and he will accuse you and he will torment you in any way that he can, he is your enemy. Okay. So I started off telling you not to be scared, but that probably all sounds quite scary. So how can I say that there is this like spiritual being out to get you and that's not be scary? 
So we're going to look at Jesus in this passage because Jesus is generally a good place to look. Um, and because he, when he's facing this stuff in this story and in any time that you see this kind of thing in the Bible, he doesn't fear, he's not afraid. So, yeah, he responds with authority. So if you look at this, the demons have to beg him for mercy. It says he begged him not to send him out of the country. He begged him to give him permission to go into these pigs. Like, Jesus has all the power. Jesus is the one in control. Jesus is the one with the authority. Um, and the demons, like, when they're faced with him, they can do nothing but, but beg for mercy. Like, the, the, there's, no, there's no fight here. There's no contest. There's no, oh, maybe I could take him. Like, there's just, they see him, and they are, like, begging straight away. They know that with a single word, he could completely destroy them. So we don't need to be afraid, because if this God is for us, then who can be against us? If this, this incredible, mighty, all-powerful God, if we're on his side, if the one that the demons beg for mercy is our friend and our king and our father, then what is there for us to be afraid of? So his enemy might be out to get us, he might be trying to imprison us and accuse us and trap us in sin, but he just does not stand a chance. Jesus wins. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus has all the power. There's one encounter with Jesus, one minute with Jesus, and this guy's years of torment are over in an instant. That's the power that Jesus has. He is the one who breaks every chain. He brings freedom to every captive. He releases and he restores and he redeems and he makes whole. He calls him Jesus, son of the most high God. There's nothing that can stand against him. So, Jesus has won the victory. This is, this is the thing to get. Um, he has broken the authority of Satan at the cross. He's broken the hold that Satan had over the human race. So when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Um, and the word that he used, it's actually like, it, it's the way that you talk about paying off a debt. The word means paid in full. So it's like there was this contract. You know, like Satan had this hold over humanity. There was this contract, that, and an amount that had to be paid before the contract is fulfilled. And Jesus has paid it all. So we're now free. Jesus has won the victory. But news gets even better for us because we're not just like a damsel in distress, um, which obviously makes me happy. So when we put our faith in Jesus and he gives us his freedom, he also empowers us. All right? So Jesus will make us mighty warriors and he shares his own authority with us. So the Bible says things like we're the body of Christ on the earth. We are like the hands and feet of Jesus, the physical manifestation of Jesus on the earth. It says that we are dwelling places of his spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. It says that we're carrying out his mission. We're his ambassadors and his messengers. And he gives us the authority to do these things. The Bible says that we are co-heirs with Jesus. So Jesus, the Bible says, is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And we are co-heirs with him. We are also seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Everything that Jesus has, everything that he's won, everything that the Father gives to him, that's also our inheritance. He shares that with us. And that includes this authority. So how does this actually work? So it's like Jesus has already won. He's won this victory. And we, as his representatives, are like his enforcers. So we, we enforce his victory. So you can take Jesus' place in this story and in his name, which means by his power, by his authority, you can command darkness to leave. You can command chains to be broken and torment to be ended in his name. It's like you, you declare this truth that Jesus has won 
you stand and you declare Jesus has won, Jesus has the victory, Jesus is king here, and you see that victory breaking out in front of you. And the way that the Bible talks about this kind of dynamic is it says it's like a battle. Um, so there's an enemy, he's attacking us, we're in a battle, right? But God has won. So the devil's a, devil's a wounded tiger. He's backed into a corner. Um, he knows that he's lost. Like the victory of Jesus is ringing over the battlefield and we just get to declare it and enforce it where we are. Um, so things to remember about this. God is in control and Jesus is overcome and all things are under his feet. All things are being worked together for our good and for his glory. Like when we talk about this, we're coming from a position of victory. It's not, it's not uncertain. It's not like a head-to-head and you don't know who's going to win. Jesus has won. That's it. It's done. It's finished. And you get to just stand in that victory. Um, so we don't have to go on the offensive and like try and take background from the enemy. We just stand. We just stand. We just stand in Jesus' victory. Um, so the enemy is trying to keep you from knowing this. He's trying to keep you from knowing who you are and who your God is and what your God has done. Because the minute that you realise it, he has suddenly lost his greatest weapon and you are armed and you are charging at him. You're suddenly the one that he has to beg for mercy. Yeah? yeah like you have the light of heaven in you and it sends shadows scattering. You have so much authority in God. You have so much power and he's terrified of you. He is terrified of you. He'll try and get you to be scared of him. He'll try and pretend that he's got more power than he actually does. But it's all smoke and mirrors. He's actually terrified of you. Because you understanding who you are and who your God is, like he's, he's got nothing against that. So, again, you don't need to be afraid. Like, what is there to be afraid of? Um, but you do need to be aware of his schemes, the Bible says. Uh, so be aware of how he's going to attack us. Because however, however powerful you are, however much authority you have, if you're kind of obliviously wandering around on a battlefield and you're completely unaware that you're on a battlefield and there's an enemy coming for you, it's not going to end well for you. Um, I can see you doing that but um, that's a bad idea, don't do that it will not end well um, so we need to know his schemes, we need to know the tactics that the enemy is going to use to fight us we need to know how to combat him so I'm going to take like a minute to look at that and then we're going to do some stuff um, it's not going to be a minute I just lied, I'm sorry, it's going to be a couple um, so in brief as brief as I could make it I have no idea how many times I've rewritten this. Um, in brief, the enemy's tactics. How will he attack us? So sometimes he will use circumstances. Uh, so you can see that in the book of Job is a really good example in the Bible um, of Satan trying to use Job's circumstances and the terrible things that happen in his life to turn Job away from God. Um, and that, that can happen. I think it's going too far to blame the devil for every terrible thing that happens in the world. Um, like human beings have a lot of responsibility bless you, for the things that we do to each other um, there's just the fact that the world is broken, like it doesn't work the way that it was designed to I think it, it's, it's, it's not functioning how it should um, but in that as well there is, this, there is a devil, there is a spiritual reality and he will sometimes use circumstances to just try and wreck us and pull us away from God um, but honestly I think the, the big one or the big ones are like lies and sin and accusation and I think they all tie together, which is why I just said them in one sentence. Um, so remember, the devil is the father of lies. So this is how it works. So he will lie to me, say, about the things that I am tempted to do. Um, so it might be, oh, everybody's doing it, so it's okay. Or it might be, oh, if you only go that far, then it will be fine. You know, it's like what, whatever it might be to make the things that I know are wrong sound okay to me and sound like it's okay to do them. Um, 
So then if I sin, he will then lie to me again about what that means about my identity or my standing with God. You know, it will be, oh, you've really done it now, you screwed up and God won't want you anymore. Or, um, oh, you have this, like, holy youth leader veneer, but that's just like a, that's just like a, a veneer. It's just a mask. And underneath it all, you're just as dirty and as broken as you ever were. Um, or where you can't talk to God for like a week because he'll need some time to calm down after this one because, you know, like, whatever it is, it's all lies, but he will just lie to me like that and accuse me. Um, so the devil lies to me, and he's so good at doing it that it even sounds like my own thoughts. So even though the devil can't see what's going on in your mind, he's not God, he's not all-knowing, he can put thoughts in there. And I mean, if you think about it, that's what I've been doing for the last 15 minutes. I've been, like, putting thoughts in your mind, and I'm doing it through the form of spoken word and the devil does whatever um but it's all right i have um, okay so yeah so you have to get used to the idea that not every thought in your mind comes from you so some of it will come from god uh some of it will come from the devil some of it will come from like the world and the people around you like it's not all produced from within yourself um, but you do have the authority and the responsibility to decide what you're going to listen to. So you decide which thoughts you're going to let settle, which thoughts you're going to entertain, and which ones you're just going to reject. Like you choose what you're going to believe. Um, that's yeah. probably made sense. Thank you. Yeah. So, the devil lies. Okay. <laughs> the devil lies. Um, so we're talking about sin and about holiness this term. Um, and I believe that at the root of every sin there is a lie I think that's where it all comes from where it all starts. and that's perhaps why the devil loves lies so much because by using them he can get us bound up in all these false ideas and he can get us wandering down paths God doesn't want us wandering down um, and get us stuck in sin so as followers of Jesus we need to take the time to root out these lies and replace them with the truth of what God says um, yeah, we need to know the truth of our identity and the truth of our authority to be able to combat the devil and enforce Jesus' victory. So if we're going to do that, what are our weapons? James 4 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I could, I could say so much about this. I had so much to say about this. But ultimately, it's, it's literally this. Like, surrender to God. Believe what he says. Live like it's truth. Um, Ephesians 6 says to stand firm. So we're not, we're not supposed to like advance and attack the devil. And we're not supposed to retreat in fear. We're just supposed to stand firm <coughs> in this place that is yours as an heir and a child of God. Like just stand on this ground that Jesus has won for us. Just stand on his truth. Surrender to him and stand on his truth. And resist all of the lies and the schemes and the temptations of the enemy. And watch him run away from you. Uh, so... So this talk was originally twice as long as this because it was literally another 20 minutes because um, there's so much more that I wanted to say about how we fight the enemy uh, and the weapons that we have. But you will be glad to know that instead of talking for another 20 minutes, I have instead done this. Um, so I have created a handout for you which just has a bunch of different stuff in it about the weapons that we have and like hopefully practical, helpful ways that you can start to fight. Um, so um, in a minute, I'm going to give you each one of these, and um, we're just going to take some time to read through it and pray, and you can do whichever bits that you feel led to, whether it's one bit or all of it or whatever. Um, yeah. And if you
do appreciate any help with this. So that might be either right now as you're working through it, if you just want someone to pray with you or want to talk about something or you're like, I know it says something like this in the Bible somewhere, but I can't find it. Um, hopefully we can answer that one. Uh, yeah, just come and, come and grab a leader or flag one down. Um, but not just in the next 10 minutes as we do this, like generally in life as you go away and keep thinking about these things. If you want prayer or you want to talk to somebody or whatever, like you probably have most of our phone numbers. Don't call us at 5 a.m., but any other time. So 2 a.m.? Some reasonable time. <laughs> at a reasonable hour. Like, get in touch with us because we love you, as Charlie has said. Um, and yeah, we're here to help you. That's, that's what we're here for. That's why we give up our Friday nights to come hang out with you. We just love you. Uh, good. So, I'm going to shut this up. And one minute.